Story number one. Anthropomorphism written by manager. Ow! Ah, gee, sorry. Let me loosen that bolt a little bit. Better. There we go. The chassis is all fixed in your frame. And now, let's run a quick systems check. Affirmative. I slid out from under the ATB, all-terrain bus, and grabbed my tablet from the ground, mindful not to unplug the uplink to the vehicle. I scanned over the growing list of updates from the bus itself and gave okays to all the checks, having gone over them before. Should we dial down your neural network? No. I swear you're a sensitive child. Should I mash your carrots up first as well? Yes. The petulant responses bolstered with a classic emote of a smiley face, and I had to hold back a groan at the bubbles in my gut. I swear your siblings didn't give me as much grief as you. You're lucky that you're the baby, otherwise I wouldn't spoil you so much. I sighed in reluctance and ran a cycle through their pipes one more time, with the good stuff for no other reason than he knew that she was nervous. She was the last of a line of man-rovers being sold today. I checked off the list of scans and unplugged the tablet. All right, you run the course and I'll go check for the prospective owners. Okay. I pat her hull and a walk out of the garage, wiping off the last of the grime on my hands before entering the interview room. There stood a very stoic alien. I was against the sale of the stoics because they have the history of being quite rude. And no, my opinion wasn't skewed because of the bar fight in Rexel 9, and I'll stand my ground till the day that I die. Salutations, Minister Torfall. I greeted professionally with a small bow. Salutations, mechanic. I take my property as suitably prepared. His response in the same monotone that ended up with a black eye and a bruised rib. You should have seen the other guy. Your ATB is running the obstacle course once more. They're a bit nervous. I responded neutrally, vehemently against the tone on terms of sapient was using about my baby. Don't you mean you're nervous, mechanic? Should I question the integrity of the product? That tone came once again like a nightly haunting and irritated me just the same. No, I mean ATB-9 is nervous. You are aware of the specs of the vehicle that you are purchasing, correct? I was starting to let my frustration show, and I did it on purpose. Stoics hated it. What is there to know? It'll take me where I want to be. I understand it's a zero-G rover, but it is a street legal on most planets. I furrowed my brows, not to draw his ire for this time, but out of genuine confusion. Forgive me, but might I ask your name and intended purpose for my baby? <laughs> I am Minister Torfall, and I am purchasing this vehicle for my son to transport him to and from his educational pursuits. The confusion was quickly wiped from my mind and very still rage replaced it. My perspective buyer seemed to relax at the neutral expression that overcame my body and mind as he continued. This will be sufficient enough status symbol for my son to hopefully find an attractive mate and gain prestige in the... I apologize for the trouble of coming here and I'm afraid that we have no further business to attend with each other. I reply flatly as I plan out the stern warning that I'll be having with my intermediary very soon. His bragging and monologuing came to an abrupt end, and the look he gave me was one that he'd switched emotions from before. Confusion and growing anger rising in his form. And what do you mean by that, mechanic? I do have a name, Arsol, and we have no further business because you are apparently under the misconception of why I'm selling them. 
It is because they want to be an explorer, to join with sapiens and map out new planets and moons, not play Jeeves with some stupid rich kid. I started to rise out of my seat and planned to walk out of their head held high. This is preposterous. I paid your promoter a hefty sum to secure the sale, and I won't have some mechanic. The stoic quickly silenced himself at the barrel. It seemed to pan into the void the longer he looked at it. Good day, sir. He sputtered and maybe squawked. Wasn't sure if there was a species could do that. Then he was gone from my interviewing room, and I fetched my phone and dialed up my promoter. Here's Johnny. What can I do for you, buddy? You're fired. I reveled in the silence that followed before I continue. You've reached the contact we set previously, and you will be hearing from my lawyers, and maybe the court about all the previous sales and your accounts, to see if you received any other donations to expedite unlawful slavery of my children. Good day. I closed the line and ignored the subsequent ringing before I sent the entire conversation to my lawyers and left it at that. I came back to the garage to a messy and muddy rover whose engine kept revving in excitement. It simmered down a little at my posture and expression. The ATB had no face per se, but I've gotten real good at being able to read them and their siblings. Mad? Not at you, sweetie. Just a bastard who didn't understand what he was doing. Bastard? No, 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 no. That's a bad word, hun. Don't say that around your sister, please. Bastard. I moaned out in the coming pain and pulled on my face. Sad, he is going to kill me. End of story number one. Story number two. Proton, written by MDS underscore Dan. The last proton drifted through an empty universe. It had seen the hearts of thousands of stars tempered the nuclear crucible of the universe's cosmic forges. Flung across the light years by the roar of a supernova, it spent eons drifting amongst the nebula and cosmic wind, until the inexorable tug of gravity deposited it upon a small rock, slowly growing ever larger. A boiling ground cooled, and meteors and asteroids beat the rock like a hammer of creation. Then came the torrential rain, turned the rock into an endless sea until the land breached the surface once more. The central star bore down on the proto-worlds with blankets of radiation, stripping its neighbors down to their cores. Yet the world endured, even as ice set in and receded over and over, even as its sisters shriveled and died, it endured. And so the proton remained when the first life forms dragged themselves from the primordial ooze and into the wider seas. Primitive as it was, it screamed to the sky and forced its world to listen, changing the very substance of the air. It changed slowly, adapting, pushing ever onward by the infinite efforts of a universe to shatter its fragile existence. The proton remained when life crawled out of the oceans, deprived of the layers of protection. The first was soft and vulnerable. Before long, they would find themselves hardened by the very forces that sought destruction. Whether storm or season, disaster and calamity, its tenacious hold on the land would not be broken. It did not know when the first thought was formed, but it would certainly feel its impact. Driven by millennia of trial and error, the first thinkers beat stones into weapons and armed themselves against the dark. 
From the sky, they learned the secrets of fire, lurking in the aftermath of lightning strikes, and from the ground, the ways of survival. They bent the world to their will, fighting with each breath to make just a little easier to fight tomorrow. The protons saw them rise, their pillars and pyramids, walls and castles and fortresses. It saw them wrestle for primordial laws of the universe, beating them into boxes and directing them at each other. It saw them learn to bottle lightning and split atoms, and when they finally sought to break the chains of gravity, they took it with them. Amongst the cosmos once more, it saw the first thinkers wander the empty void, seeking the secrets that are long sequestered away from them. Trials unlike any they'd faced before bore down upon them from all directions, carried on upon the backs of things that they could scarcely understand. Yet they survived. They always survived. And so, in their everlasting quest, they charted the secrets of one galaxy, then two, then dozens, hundreds, and thousands, until it seemed that they may well have reality within its grasp. But time was running out, not even stars lived forever, and atomic fire of the universe slowly burned down. The other thinkers dwindled and slowly died out. Entire galaxies went dark. It was inevitable that the first thinkers were the last. They carried the proton with them, clinging to the edges of black holes, as they shot through empty voids searching for the edge of creation. The symphony of the universe had gone silent, and a cold clutch of entropy seemed determined that their voice would fall too. But the last thinkers would not be swayed. If patience was a virtue, they may as well have been saints. The first lesson, embedded in the minds and the eons, forced its way to the forefront once more. That survival meant to wage war on time and win, and the thinkers had no intention of losing. The proton was alone now. The last of the thinkers had left the craft of their own symphony above the ruins of their cradle. The last black hole had enveloped eons ago. The iron corpses of creation withered away across the span of eternity. All that was left was the last proton, the final speck of existence left. And then there was none. End of story number two.